Ah, good morning, everybody. Good to see you guys. Happy Memorial Day to you. Just want to take a moment to uh, thank all our veterans who have served or are currently serving. Thank you for your sacrifice. I'm so glad that we could honor uh, people on this weekend. If you guys don't realize this, but in our, in our bulletin, we have an insert, and on one side of it, it has all the list of the military that serve that are connected to our family. Uh, it would be wise to take this home this week and maybe pray over these names. And the other thing about this is it's hard to keep this up to date. So if you have people in your family that are in the military in some way or form, um, fill our communication card so we can keep this up to date so we can pray for those people. But anyways, we hope that it's a good one for you guys. Uh, as you guys may have already known, uh, Nikki and I welcomed a, a little baby girl into our lives a couple weeks ago. Uh, this is Ellie. This is Ellie Grace. And uh, a lot of people say she looks like me, which means that she's super cute, right? Yeah. Uh, so we're thrilled. A two's a little tougher than one, I'll tell you that. We're experts in pretending like we're knowing what we're doing, um, but we'll just keep moving ahead. So it's, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. Um, so thanks for your encouragement. You guys have been a great support to us. Um, a lot of meals, a lot of support, so we appreciate that, guys. Uh, today we're just going to jump into the last part of our series in the series of Unleashed. Today we're going to talk about the topic of strongholds. Now, a stronghold might not be a word that you're used to. Maybe it's not familiar in your lexicon. Uh, the Bible talks about strongholds in two different areas. Strongholds like a, a place of refuge or a place of strength. And the other side of a stronghold are obstacles that stand in our way for spiritual growth. And that's what we want to dive into today, that the obstacle part of a stronghold. Strongholds are areas of thinking or beliefs that we hold on to or hold on to us that are not what God would want for us. They are fortified patterns of thinking or beliefs that are in conflict with God's word and God's will for our lives. Everyone has had them. All of us try to minimize them but they, make no mistake, are one of the greatest obstacles for our spiritual growth. There are many of us in this room who have strongholds that we're well aware of, that we're trying to work through, and then there are others of us who have these strongholds in our life that have lived for so long with that stronghold that we are just completely blind to the fact that we are walking in a stronghold. So we want to take some time to talk about this area and how we break out of it and understanding it in a deeper way. Uh, Dr. Tony Evans, he's an author, a well-known pastor. Maybe you've heard him on the radio. Uh, Tony Evans says this about strongholds. He says, a stronghold is a pattern of unrighteousness that holds you hostage outside the will of God. Strongholds result from something invisible in the spiritual realm cooperating with something visible in the physical realm, keeping a person trapped in, addiction of in an addiction of negative life patterns. Overcoming a stronghold in the physical realm always involves a spiritual solution because strongholds always have a spiritual cause. And so the difference between like a stronghold and an addiction, which an addiction is encompassed within a stronghold, is that a stronghold assumes a spiritual cause to the effect. Addiction is a word that we throw out in this culture that helps explain why we are being held hostage to something that we can't just seem to shake. Uh, they tell us that we're addicted to alcohol or addicted to drugs, addicted to sex or addicted to whatever it may be. And the problem with the way that we use the word addiction in our culture is it sometimes can suggest that we are a victim to the problem because somebody else created it and my bad genes just kept it. Addiction can mean that you'll never get over it 
And in the context of our culture, it often leads people to put on to others what belongs to us. A stronghold implies a spiritual condition, a spiritual cause, and if we would get the spiritual cause and condition right, the physical must follow the spiritual. And so there is an ownership that was created in understanding a stronghold. Now, I'm not going to sit up here and pretend I'm an addiction specialist. I'm not. I'm not suggesting that we aren't in some ways disposed to being addicted to things based upon family history. The, the Bible has been well ahead of science, much like it has been in many different realms, uh, when it's talked about generational sin for eons, that there are transgressions of the father and the mother that are passed down to subsequent generations, um, either the children's children or the children's children. If, if, if somebody continues to walk in their own way in, in and neglects God or, or doesn't choose to follow, their transgressions can be passed down. So this isn't something new. But what we want to imply today is that a stronghold has a spiritual cause, and that because it has a spiritual cause, most of the sin that works out in our life are based upon poor viewpoints and mindsets when it comes to our understanding of Scripture, understanding of truth of who God is, and so these are patterns of belief and thinking that, that live inside the context of a broken world that we live in. If we go back to the story in the account of Genesis, in the creation story, like we see a good God making a good creation, no sin, no death, man and woman, they're in the garden, fully satisfied, all-encompassing joy is present in that garden. And then we see in a moment, creation is broken through an act of disobedience. The enemy deceives the woman, Eve, and she believes the lie. And in that act of disobedience, the cosmos are fractured. The cosmos are fractured. And that is our reality now. Where there once was fulfillment and exuberance, we now see guilt and shame. The world, the word has said that man and woman once walked naked and unashamed. They were fully known and fully delighted in. But the word goes on to record that once the fall happens, when sin enters the world, that man and woman saw themselves as naked, they closed themselves, and then they hid themselves from God in the very garden that he had created for them. And this is the first time in the pages of Scripture that a negative emotion is present. A hid in shame. And that is now our reality. And it's like, it's so stupid because Eve believed a lie that God had more for them. The serpent deceived Eve to believe that God was holding out on them. And like when I read the account of the creation story now, I think like, that was a good deal. Like, can I have that deal now? Can we go back? And I just... I just marvel at, like, could we, could we just made a better decision there? But I'm foolish if I don't believe myself that I, too, willingly walk into deceptive thoughts myself. And I know better. I know better. I mean, the account of creation in Adam and Eve should just be enough example for me to realize that deception happens and I can walk into those things. And, and so deception happens. They hide themselves from God. There's just... That's just a silly thing to do. Adam and Eve hide themselves from the creator God that made the garden that they walked in perfectly with. They knew what they had, but they hid themselves in shame, which, which means this. Sin absolutely makes us stupid. 
Sin absolutely makes us dumb, and we're no exception in this. Over the years, we have developed beliefs and thoughts that create actions and habits that are formed outside a proper understanding of the gospel of Christ, outside a proper understanding of our identity in Christ, outside of a proper understanding of our brokenness and without a gratitude and love for what Christ has done for us on the cross and what his resurrection gives to us. Any belief that is formed outside of the truth of the gospel, outside the example of Christ and the will of God, will over time form to be a stronghold that holds us from the freedom that Christ affords us in our lives. And so know today that we're not just talking about addiction to substance, activities, or things. We're also talking about strongholds that make you walk in depression, strongholds that keep you in resentment, rage, and disdain. Strongholds that enable you to believe that somehow you're better than somebody else. Strongholds that make you hate groups of people or individuals. Strongholds that don't allow you to love people just the way that God would ask you to. And strongholds that just make you a jerk. We're talking about all of these things today. And so understand that God would desire that we would tear down the strongholds in our lives. He would tear down those strongholds. The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, in the chapter 10, he writes some words of encouragement for those who profess the name of Christ in this area of strongholds. Let's take a look at this together. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of Christ, of God, and every thought captive, and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. And so Paul is saying that God would desire, that he would command, that we destroy any argument any lofty opinion that would go against the knowledge of God, not by the weapons of our own flesh, not by physical means, but by spiritual tools as the Spirit guides our life, as we pray and meditate, as we read the Scriptures, that we align our lives to His truth, that we would slay those things. And so today, I want to take some time today to talk about how we tear down these areas of strongholds in our lives. But before we do that, I want to bring uh, strongholds into three kind of different areas for us to really kind of understand what we're talking about. The book that we've based this series on is a book called Unleashed. It's by Eric Mason. Uh, he speaks extensively about these three areas that strongholds show themselves in. The three different areas are, are personal, family, and cultural. And we're going to walk through those things because they have the propensity to rob us from the fullness of life that Christ has given, has died for us and given to us here on earth. So let's start with personal. Personal strongholds. Personal strongholds is one that is uniquely owned by the individual. And personal strongholds are often emotional in nature. And those emotions often come out of bad, bad mindsets or thoughts that lead us into our worldly affections. Personal strongholds often stem, stem from bad thoughts uh, that create negative emotions like anger, depression, bitterness, resentment, disappointment. 
and we allow our emotions then to overtake us, and we live in an emotional world which leads us into making some very poor decisions for ourselves. And so for us who are professing as believers in here, you have to understand and view emotions in the same way that you view a smoke detector in your house. I hope that all of us have smoke detectors in our homes. If you were in your home and you heard your smoke alarm go off, would you, out of common sense, go and beat your smoke detector with a hammer? I certainly would hope not. Would you hear the noise of the smoke detector and just cover your ears? Would you just hear the noise and then just try to get used to it? Of course not. The smoke detector is not alarming so that you can hear its noise. The smoke detector is alarming to let you know that there is something else in your house that's a situation. It is trying to let you know that maybe there is a fire that's about to burn your house down. And the smoke detector is to the home what emotions are to the soul. They are God-given signals in your soul that tell you that something else is wrong. And so if we spend all of our time dealing in an emotional world, I mean, like not just having a bad day, but in a way that, that holds us in a stronghold into, into the bondage of that emotion, it is much like somebody spending all their time dealing with a smoke detector when their house is being burned down. We can often get consumed with our emotional state, seek relief, and make bad decisions as we try to figure out what's going on instead of taking a moment and trying to say, hey, what is behind this emotion that's spiritually untrue about myself? Negative emotions that aren't based in physical ailments are there to point us to the fact that there is something much deeper in our soul that is off, that we need to take a look at. My journey through a personal stronghold of my own that was developed out of and rooted out of depression and disappointment that then kind of showed itself and manifested itself physically in an addiction to pornography, those emotions were created out of a faulty assertion about myself and about my God. The enemy, just like Eve, planted lies within my head that I wasn't good enough, that nobody liked me, that I was best not even to exist on this earth. Those were lies that were formed about me that weren't true of me, but I believed them to be true. And they created a toxic mess in my life as those thoughts and beliefs worked themselves out in my life. Now, that's my story. I don't know what faulty assertions that you have about yourself. I don't know what emotions that they create, and I don't know what physical things they show themselves out, but if it is a stubborn and resistant pattern that is resistant to the Word of God and His will, it needs to be tear tore down. The second stronghold is a family stronghold. Now, family strongholds can be some of the toughest strongholds to tear down. But like, look, our God obviously is not afraid of doing huge things in our lives. Now, first of all, can we just get past the fact that all of our families, whether you want to admit to it or not, are dysfunctional in some ways. Like, you just have a, guest, a house guest for a couple weeks, and they'll tell you some dysfunction that's going on in your family. The dysfunction that we're talking about that builds family strongholds is when unbiblical patterns emerge in people's life that are caused by the family. There are family strongholds that are commonalities within the group. 
So when you get married in this church, one of the things that you'll have to go through is a premarital survey to understand a little bit about each other. And one of the sections in that premarital survey is a section on family history because we have learned, we have learned that if a family doesn't deal with things in a biblical manner, if they don't deal with it in a biblical manner, it often affects how the person deals with things for the rest of their lives. And nobody wants to be blindsided going to a relationship going, where did that come from? Maybe you've been in this room and maybe experienced that 10 years later. Oh, he does that because that's how his mom did that. Or that's the way that they did that. Nobody wants to be blindsided in that. So we've got to figure out what makes mom tick. What makes dad tick? What habits did they have growing up? So we spend a good amount of time discussing those things because we know it to be important. And look, strongholds of the mother and the father can be passed down to the generations that follow. They can be passed down. In Exodus 34, verses 6 through 7, the Lord is speaking this. He's speaking this himself. He says, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquities and transgressions and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquities of the father on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. So look, understand that look, our God is loving, he's patient, he's gracious, he's faithful. But if we continue to choose our own way rather than God, if we choose to walk down that path, God's going to let you do that. And those transgressions that are in your life can be passed down to those who come after you. And so as families, we have to come together and defeat family strongholds together to find the root and why these things keep persisting in our lives. The last type of stronghold are, are cultural strongholds. Cultural strongholds are blind spots that different people group hold as common, in common, as normal, that are conflicting to the Word of God, conflicting, conflicting to the gospel of Christ. They are beliefs and thoughts that are often widely accepted by a group of people that belong in those cultures. And we need not look any further than the Jim Crow South in the 1940s, the 1950s, and the 1960s, and before then to see this as an example. You saw generation after generation of people indoctrinated with an unbiblical belief, an unbiblical belief that demoralized an entire group of people, African Americans, just by the color of their skin. That's a stronghold, and that stronghold was so great that if you didn't assimilate to that viewpoint, you lived in fear. And that stronghold is still present today, and we're dealing with its ramifications even now. And our culture just continues to create strongholds that we don't even realize. Think about the number of young women that have been held hostage to the stronghold of body image that this culture tells you that you have to look at. Strongholds can be formed just by living in small communities like Bluffton. They can come in living in big cities like wherever. But all of these strongholds work together to move humanity towards this functional, dysfunctional existence. It's a functional, dysfunctional existence where we're alive and functioning in the chaos and the mess that this world is in the lives that we have created in those. In the book of Judges, there's a guy named Gideon, and I love the story of Gideon. Gideon exemplifies how humanity operates within the context of a dysfunctional world in the context of strongholds. In this time, there are generation after generations of unrighteous people who are living at this time that have 
raise themselves up. And the author of Judges would go on to say about these people, he said, they do whatever is right in their own mind. So there's a huge portion of people at this time who just do whatever's right in their own minds. And I don't think that's too inaccurate of us today. I think most of us have a desire to just do what is right in our own eyes. But God, being the loving and gracious and merciful God, pursues Gideon to bring, him, to bring his people back to himself. Now, note that. Gideon doesn't move towards God. God moves towards Gideon. And this is just another powerful example of just who our God is. So let's take a peek at this in Judges 6. It says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash and Abiezrite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, please, my Lord, if it, the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might and yours of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? Now note where God finds Gideon. It says that he's beating out wheat in a wine press to hide from the Midianites. Gideon has maybe found the single most difficult way to beat wheat, thresh wheat, that a humankind could possibly find because he's so scared of the Midianites. If you were going to thresh wheat, you would go up on a hilltop because the winds on a hilltop are much greater. That's how they would do it. That's what a worker who is not operating in this dysfunction would do it. You would take it up there and you would beat the wheat against uh, uh, something and, and the chaff would be exposed and it's so light that the wind would just take it away and the heavier grains would fall to the ground. But Midian, out of his fear that the Midianites might see his wind-blown chaff, sits in a wine press and threshes his wheat, his wheat. He uses something that was meant for another purpose for a completely different purpose. And this is what we call functional dysfunctional, where we're so blind to our own strongholds, so blind to them, so much so that we begin to do things that a normal person who's not bound by that stronghold would see as dysfunctional. And we see this present in our culture. I think an extreme example of this would be hoarders, like, I think there's that A&E show called Hoarders. Uh, it is a, this pattern of belief and thought that, that manifests itself out in people kind of holding on to everything in their life. And for those of us who watch that show, maybe, or who don't have that stronghold, think, what's wrong with that person? Like, that's disgusting. But for them, that stronghold is so real. They're just trying to function within that dysfunction. And so Gideon is functioning inside of an improper fear, an irrational fear of the Midianites that he doesn't have to be in. God did not create him to be in fear of mere man. And so let's begin to look at how we tear down these strongholds that cause functional dysfunction in our lives. There's a resource that uh, I find to be extremely helpful maybe to those who are dealing with some strongholds in their lives that want to defeat them. It, it's, a, it's from a guy named Neil T. Anderson. It's called The Freedom Steps to, to Freedom in Christ, The Steps to Freedom in Christ. Because listen, our hope in all of this, 
our hope in all of these things and defeating strongholds is freedom. Freedom in Christ. And so I, this is about six bucks. It's on Amazon. It's well worth the price. And I'm just going to pull a couple things out of here that I think are important lessons for us in defeating strongholds in our lives. One of the first steps or breakthroughs in the area of strongholds that enables us to tear down these strongholds is understanding what's truth and what's a lie. Truth versus lie. So like in my journey, a stronghold of depression and disappointment, I pretty much had deceived myself in my own personal jail cell. I just continually believed lies that the enemy planted in my head, those phrases that you're not good enough, nobody likes you, you might as well not even exist. And I could never confront them for what they were. I could never confront them for what they were, lies. They are absolute lies. And because I never confronted them as lies, they absolutely became my truth. And I walked in them. I did not fight against them. They were my reality. And the same thing is true for Gideon here in this verse in, in Judges. Gideon grew up amongst a generation that forgot about God. They forgot about his promises. They forgot about his character. They forgot about his goodness. They had forgot about what he had done for their ancestors. And he grew up to accept the fact that he, as an Israelite, a group of people that God blessed, had to, to fear mere men. Why would a group of people like the Israelites ever fear mere men? But that's what Gideon believed. But look at how God talks to Gideon in Judges 6. What does he say? He says, The Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And this might be, and it was for me, one of the most profound things that you could ever learn in your life. That God has not called us who profess Christ as Lord to him because of us, but solely because of himself. He's not called you to him because of you. He has called you to him because of him. There is nothing grand about Gideon. He is an insignificant coward of a man. But God calls him a mighty man of valor, a warrior. And he goes on over and over to remind Gideon about this. What has Gideon done to earn such a distinction? Nothing. Nothing. And so the lesson to be learned here is that who you are is never defined by you. Who you are is not about you. It is formed by your Creator. It is formed by God. Was it true that I wasn't good enough? No. Was it true that nobody liked me? No. Was it true that I should not even exist? No. Why? Because that's not true of my God. That's not true of my God. And my identity as a believer should be rooted exactly in Christ. And what is true of Christ is true of me. And I choose to believe. Some days I believe lies, but most days I choose to believe that I am a mighty man of valor, a warrior, and I will not be overcome by the things that the enemy puts in my way. It is so important that we cast out truth to defeat lies because it's never about you. Don't make it about your situation. What is true of God is true of you. 
And so that took a long time in my life, just the spirit nudging at my soul, just moving me along. It took me years of fighting against it to see those things. And so hear me today. The best thing that you can do in the area of strongholds is to speak to God, to sit under his word, to pray and meditate, to align yourself with his truth in your life and let the spirit slay the strongholds that he brings up. And bring godly people into your life that will remind you of the truth in situations that you needed. Bring people in your life that know the truth and will speak the truth in your life. In the verse that we read in 2 Corinthians, Paul says that we are to destroy every argument, every lofty opinion against the knowledge of God. That we are to take every thought captive to obey Christ. If you can hear that, then Christian, understand this. You have the ability to destroy every, to, to, to hold up every argument, to every decision, every thought, to hold them captive and compare them against the word and truth and example of Christ and determine whether they are not, they are true or not. Is that truth or is that a lie from the enemies? And so, brothers and sisters, I ask you to take inventory of your hearts today. Take inventory about what you believe and think about yourself. Take inventory of what you've been led to believe and think about other people. Would it stand up to the standard that God has given us in his, worth, in his word and in his, his example? If it does not, we are commanded to tear it down. We are to tear it down and replace it with truth. As Nikki and I have walked in this newness in this season of having a newborn for these last two weeks with, a, with an older child, Camille, who's about three, uh, we've had to at times, um, multiple times, just sit down at the end of the day and remind ourselves of what the truth of the situation is. Now, I'm going to hopefully safely walk into this subject without offending my wife or any, anybody else. But uh, ladies, you know that after you give birth to a baby, your emotions can just kind of, they can be there, Right? And it's like an out-of-world experience that you know that you're expressing these emotions and you know it's foolish at the same time. And husbands, like, you know what I'm talking about, okay? And so at the end of the day, we have to sit down and, and, and look. And we have to talk to each other and say, hey, here's the truth. This is just a season. It's just a season. This isn't our forever. Like, Camille's not going to be scarred because mama can't spend time with her as much. We will get sleep. We have to remind ourselves of the truth. And truth always casts out lies. So it's important to understand that. The second thing that I want to expand on that will help us tear down these strongholds is acquiring a spiritual perspective rather than a worldly one. Listen to the words that David pins in, the Psalm, in Psalm 42, verses 1 through 5. This is what he, he says this. As a deer pants... For flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. Why they say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go with the throng and lead them in a procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praises, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? 
hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation. Sometimes we read this psalm and think, man, it's a beautiful poem. But this is a soul-bearing lament. David is in agony. And do you catch David speaking to his soul? He says, why are you cast down, O my soul? Another version says, why are you so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. He's talking truth to himself. Oftentimes, we like to take what is happening in the world and deal with it ourselves by our own efforts. But if we ever want to find traction in tearing down the strongholds in our lives, it will come when we turn our eyes towards heaven and towards God for our help. David goes on to pen, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. We often try to fix these things or understand these things through our own thoughts, through our own opinions, try to fix them through our own efforts, through our own sweat, but strongholds all have a spiritual cause. And here's some news for you. The spiritual causes cannot be fixed by fleshly efforts. Spiritual causes can only be fixed by the Spirit. As we fix our eyes on Him, as we remember the gospel of Christ and what it affords us, something that we talked about a month ago or so, and as we align ourselves to His heart and His mind and His will and His commands that we remind ourselves daily, like David, put your hope in God. So change your targets, friends. Change your targets. Quit looking at each other to find your examples and your lifestyles and your beliefs. Set your target on God. He is your rock, your salvation, your comfort, your peace, and your helper. He is your identity. And when you do that, when you have a spiritual perspective, a Christ-centered perspective, and as he begins to call out the lies in your life and replaces them with the truth because of the Spirit, you are made renewed in spirit and free, become free from all of those physical elements of sin and worldly mindset. They all will be torn down because, listen, the physical always runs downstream from the spiritual. And so remember what Paul says, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but of divine power destroy strongholds. If we're going to walk in gospel-centered growth in Jesus, we must not be reluctant to tear down, to confront the strongholds with our belief in God's word. Jesus Christ has already given us the victory through his death and his resurrection by our faith. And so we have to be unrelentlessly committed to tearing down strongholds in our life that rob us from the freedom that Christ's sacrifice affords to us. And so today, to remember his victory, to remember his sacrifice and the freedom that it gives us, we're going to come together around a sacrament we call communion. Communion is here to remind us of the sacrifice that Christ has made for us. The, blood, the, the bread represents his broken body on the cross, and his blood represents the shed blood of Jesus that covers our sin. So the band's going to come out here in a little bit. They're going to play a couple songs. I ask you to take this time. Scripture would ask us to get our hearts right with God before we approach his table. 
So spend some time speaking to God, confessing maybe those strongholds that you know are present in your life, and then asking him, Lord, will you move in my heart in a way that you would allow me to see the strongholds that maybe I'm not seeing? And when you get to the point, come join us at the table and celebrate what Christ has done for us. And just to remind you guys who are in here or girls that are in here that maybe you haven't taken a step to profess Christ in your life, know this, I love that you're here. We exist for you. We, we love that you're here. Uh, but understand that this is a time for the family of believers to come around the table of God and celebrate what Christ has done for us. And so uh, if you haven't made that step of faith, that no, it's just okay to sit back and reflect as we celebrate this time. So I'm going to pray. The band's going to come out whenever you're ready. Let's pray. God, we just come before you today, and we just praise you for being a God that tears down strongholds in our lives. Lord, will you make that the reality of all of our lives, that we would know you as a conqueror. And so we ask, Lord, that you would move in our hearts, that you would move in our spirit in a way that you would convict us of our strongholds, and that by your spirit, Lord, by aligning ourselves up with your word through your life, that we would tear those strongholds down and replace them with the truth that is in your gospel. And Lord, we thank you for doing for us all the work that by our faith in the gospel, Lord, your spirit moves in our life. So God, we, we thank you for this time. We thank you for what you're going to do in our life, but mostly we thank you for your son, Jesus, who has done for us what we could not. And it's in his name, Jesus Christ, we pray these things. Amen.